April. Thank you once again for joining us on Talking Fight for another episode featuring Christian from the Friday Night Panel and his ongoing exploration of the Olympics, in particular boxing at the Olympics, coming to us live from Tokyo this July. What have you got for us today, Christian? Fingers crossed on that one, as always. Uh, unfortunately, today uh, we've got a bit of bit of bad news coming out of Japan. Actually, uh, so as you guys know, the countdown clock for the Tokyo Olympics officially hit the fifty days to go mark as of today, and this also brought another problem for the one year delayed games. So, about ten thousand out of the eighty thousand unpaid volunteers for the Tokyo Olympics and Paralympic Games have told organizers that they will not be participating when the games open on July the twenty third. Organizers have said that some have dropped out because of worries about COVID-19. Uh, few volunteers, who should be kept in mind, are expected to be vaccinated by the time of the Olympics since most are going to be having no contact directly with athletes or other key personnel, according to uh, the organizing committee. So far, only between about 2 and 3% of Japan's total population is fully vaccinated in what has been a very slow rollout that's only just now starting to pick up steam. Conversely, though, the IOC expects at least 80% of athletes and residents of the Olympic Village to be fully vaccinated by the 23rd. So the organizing committee has said that they have not taken the time to actually confirm individual reasons, uh, but in addition to concerns about the coronavirus infection, uh, some have dropped out because, you know, after taking a losing, figuring out it would be difficult to actually do the work they volunteered for and reconcile that with their normal work schedules. And other people have uh, said that they've dropped out just simply due to a change in their own environment. Now, organizers are saying that the loss is not going to affect operations of the postponed Olympics. Um, I'm not sure how, but they're saying it's not going to. They did also uh, later that day put together a small event uh, to mark the milestone of being 50 days out from this postponed uh, Olympic Games. So these unpaid volunteers are a key workforce in running the Olympics and save organizers millions of dollars every, uh, every time the Olympics rolls around. And this is in salaries alone. Now, these volunteers are typically going to be given uh, like a uniform. They'll be given meals on the days that they work and daily commuting costs. However, they do have to supply and pay for their own lodgings during the games. Now, a study that was done for the IOC on volunteers back in 2000 at the Sydney Games uh, estimated the value at about $60 million worth of labor over 40,000 volunteers. So we're talking 80,000 volunteers here. Okay. Now, Tokyo is officially spending $15.4 billion to organize the Olympics, and several government audits have already said that is actually way more than that. And all but about $6.7 billion is, that is coming from public money in Japan. Uh, the IOC, for example, their contribution is only uh, coming to about $1.5 billion. Not that that's something to turn your nose up at, but in the greater scheme of things, it's a bit of a drop in the bucket. So I'm not sure exactly how they can envision an eighth of their workforce walking away and saying this is not going to affect how we run things, but uh, I guess we're going to have to wait and find out on that one. Staying in Japan, but uh, moving out of Tokyo, a Japanese city that was due to host Kenya's Olympic delegation uh, for their pre-Olympic training camp has canceled because of coronavirus situation um, in the city has now officially become critical. 
according to the Kenyan Olympic Committee, and they announced that late yesterday. Officials from the city of Kurume on, in the Fukuoka prefecture, near, which is near the southern tip of Japan, uh, informed the Kenyans on Tuesday that they, were, that they would be canceling the training camps. Kenyan Olympic Committee uh, said in a letter, uh, sorry, we said that in the letter from Kurume, they were reporting that the COVID-19 infection rates have rapidly spread in Kurumi since mid-April, and that situation has been recognized now as critical. The city told Kenya's team that the sports facilities that they had set aside to be used by the visiting athletes for the pregame preparations had now been converted into vaccination centers. Kenya's team was due to spend 12 days in Kurume from uh, starting on the 7th of July in order to uh, acclimatize to uh, Japan, shake off the jet lag, and just otherwise prepare for the Olympics on the 23rd. The head of the Kenyan uh, Olympic team said, uh, you know, it was too late at this point in time to organize another training camp within Japan before the Olympics. So he's urging everyone to uh, stay home and to continue their training as best they can at home before they actually travel. Kenya did win 13 medals at the 2016 Rio de Janeiro Olympics and finished second uh, behind the United States in track and field uh, on the track and field medal count, which is their strong point typically, uh, even outshining Jamaica uh, in, in Rio. So, you know, uh, it's not all great news, unfortunately, today coming out of Japan. But, uh, you know, with $15.4 billion on the line, I, I have a feeling we are going to see everything move forward. Seiko Hashimoto, who is the head of the uh, Tokyo Organizing Committee, did say uh, just today, reaffirmed her uh, commitment to making sure these games do go forward. So in that spirit, with the games moving forward, we're going to talk a little bit more about the uh, tournament that's starting tomorrow which is our European qualifier. Now, uh, for those of you who were watching yesterday, we went through, uh, took a look at our friends across the pond in Great Britain and what their chances look like at the European qualifiers, who they've got to fight and what they've got to do to make that next step moving into uh, the Olympics themselves. So I had a request from a friend of mine recently, just yesterday, asking if we could uh, take a look and see what the Irish were up to. So fortunately, they have been doing some writing on that, so we're happy to oblige. So we're going to take a quick look here at uh, what the Irish side is hoping to do starting tomorrow. And then starting tomorrow, we're going to actually start uh, talking about these uh, opening 16 matches. So let's get into it here. So as you guys all know, the onset of the pandemic last March saw that the London tournament, which was the original European qualifier, uh, paused midway through. So it restarts at the same stage this week. Uh, with eight Irish boxers hoping to join Kurt Walker and Brendan Irvin uh, on the plane to Tokyo Olympics this summer. Now, Irvin, who uh, qualified already by the time, was able to qualify already by the time the London uh, proceedings were paused. Uh, he's also going to be traveling to France with the rest of the team, though, uh, to progress to the tournament in hopes of boosting his rankings uh, for seeding uh, come Tokyo. Now, Walker, on the other hand, was eliminated in London, but has banked enough ranking points over the years to guarantee himself a Tokyo qualification through the Boxing Task Force World uh, Ranking Qualification Route. Now, this is, as you guys know, is what has replaced the cancelled World Qualifier, Olympic Qualifier, that was also due to be held in Paris. Okay. So... Let's get into them here. So starting the women's featherweights, 57 kilograms, uh, give this Michaela Walsh. Now, uh, she is going to be boxing for one of six qualifier spots. So that's four semifinalists plus box office 
plus box offs for the quarterfinal losers. So doing the Brendan Irving uh, approach, we're qualifying the path the Tokyo way. Uh, she starts in the, in the last 16, so Walsh is going to need two wins in order to progress. And she first has to beat uh, French, European, and EU bronze medalist Mona Mestien. And then she'll have two chances, both a quarterfinal match, and if uh, failing that, then she'll also have the opportunity of a box-off as well. Now, as far as the backdoor rankings route, or the uh, the Walker route on this one, now this is assuming that the entry list remains the same as it was for the London qualifier. And that's going to be the same right across for, for each one of these. Walsh actually has a pretty good chance of benefiting from this route. So if she beats Mestia, then she would basically be almost qualified and then would only miss out on a spot for Tokyo if top-seeded Russian Ludmila Vronstova also won in the last 16, but then lost both her quarterfinal and her box-off. Um, and that's just unlikely. So she's got a good chance to be going to the games either way. In the women's lightweight category, we've got Kelly Harrington. And uh, she, all likewise, is going to be boxing for one of six spots. So that gives us, again, our semifinalists plus box off for quarterfinal losers. On the path to Tokyo route, she is uh, also starting in the last 16. And Harrington is going to need two wins. First up uh, is going to be against Poland's Anita uh, Rygelska. Now, this is a good one for her, though, because she's actually already beaten Rygelska earlier this year. So, uh, but to go back to our rankings route, if that doesn't go her way, Her if Harrington loses to Rygelska, then she may still qualify if Finnish fighter Mira Potkinen qualifies, as well as both uh, Swedish fighter Agnes Alexison and Russian Ekaterina Dinek either lose both of their final 16 matches, which is highly unlikely, or both qualify, which is not unlikely. So moving up into the women's middleweights at 75 kilograms, we've got Aoife O'Rourke. Now she is going to be boxing for one of only four uh, qualifying spots here. So quarterfinals isn't going to be enough to get you through on this one. you got to make semis. So on the path to Tokyo, starting in the last 16, O'Rourke, like the others, needs two wins to move on. Uh, her first match is going to be against Belarusian Victoria Kebekava. Now, she did de defeat Kebekava in her home country back in 2019 at the European Games. So again, hopefully a bit of a minimally a psychological advantage there. Now, if O'Rourke is beaten in the quarters, she can still qualify, though, on ranking points if uh, British star Lauren Price, Dutch legend Nuchka Fanyan, and Turkish veteran Senor Demir all progress as far as the semis. Okay. So in, let's uh, moving over to the lads now, men's uh, light welterweight category. Uh, we've got George Bates fighting out of St. Mary's in Dublin. Now, he this one's a bit different because this one we've boxing for one of eight slots that are available. Okay, so all you have to do is make the quarterfinals for the, in this particular category. So the straightforward path to Tokyo, uh, even though he's in the finals, the last 16 currently, it's essentially a straight box off for Bates. He's going to be up against Azerbaijan's uh, Javed Chalabayev. And if he wins, he goes to the games. If he loses, he's out. Uh, as far as the backdoor rankings route goes, he has absolutely no chance whatsoever. He's got no ranking points, so he needs to do his business in the ring if he wants to move forward. In the men's welterweight, 69 kilograms, uh, we're going to see Aiden Walsh boxing for one of six slots. Uh, so once again, semifinalist plus box off for the uh, quarterfinal losers. Path to Tokyo, starting in the last 16, like everybody else here in Ireland, it looks like. Walsh needs two rounds to win. First up is going to be a tricky fight, though, against Frenchman Wahid Ambly. 
uh, a win here, and he's going to have two shots. Again, uh, you're going to have both that quarterfinal, and failing that, he'll also have the chance to go through to a box-off there. Uh, as far as the back-door rankings routes go, he's got a decent chance, but it's a bit complicated. Walsh would need to minimally make it as far as the quarterfinals and then hope that Pat McCormick, Andre Zemkovoy, and Lorenzo Sotomayor, and Yavedli Barbanov all qualify to the games. If every one of them gets through on their own, he can still qualify on ranks, but that's who's sitting ahead of him right now. Up in the men's light heavyweight, or 81 kilograms, we've got Emmett Brennan uh, fighting from the uh, Dublin Docklands. Again, six spots for uh, this weight class as well. So in the final 16, two wins, just like everybody else, and he's going to have to go up against the experienced Swiss fighter, Yuka Smaley. Uh, and he would, uh, again, get two shots after that, though, a quarterfinal, and if needed, a box-off. As far as his backdoor rankings chances go, he's got absolutely no chance whatsoever. He doesn't have the points needed to move forward uh, without wins here, so he has got to do well in this tournament in order to move forward. Men's heavyweight, we've got Kirill Asanev out of Dublin. Uh, now, this one, once we're up into the heavyweights, we've only got four spots available. So, again, quarters isn't going to do it for you guys. You need to make it as far as the uh, semifinals. Uh, but in the last 16, uh, and Afanasev needs two wins to qualify. And his uh, first on the block is going to be uh, Spaniard, Emmanuel Reyes. Backdoor rankings for this one, though, are extremely slim. Uh, he would need to, again, minimally make quarters, and then it would be dependent on like just a bucket full of pretty much unimaginable results to go in his favor. But I guess, you know, you never say never. And finally, up in the men's super heavyweight category, we have Geitzis Lysinkas, uh fighting out of Celtic Eagles Galway. Now, this one, likewise, like the, uh, the heavyweights, we've only got four slots available in the super heavyweight, so we've got to go to the semis here. Uh, now, you guys know that Lysinkis is actually replacing the recently retired uh, super heavyweight boxer, Dean Gardner, who was registered for the original tournament but hadn't had a chance to box in it yet, which is why they were able to replace him. Unlike Michael Nevin, who uh, recently dropped out and uh, too soon, just last week, as a matter of fact, and as such, there's no time to uh, replace him as well since Nevin fought in the first uh, days of the tournament. He's now just a dropout. They're, not, they're unable to substitute another fighter. But uh, since Gardner re uh, retired back when he did, they were able to substitute uh, Lysinkis here for Gardner. But that being said, he's got a bit of a mountain to climb here. And, uh, you know, like everyone else, two wins uh, to get through. But his first one is going to be against Bulgaria's EU silver medalist, Peter Belbarov. And as far as backdoor rankings go or the Walker route, no chance whatsoever. Like I said, he's a recent addition to this tournament, so he does not have the ranking points to move forward otherwise. So what we're going to be looking at here is he's got to uh, go big or go home, so to speak. But that's going to be uh, the Irish side headed into uh, the opening of tomorrow's tournament. And uh, for those of you, again, remember that is going to be broadcast live. The entire tournament, both rings will be broadcast, and that's going to be on uh, the Olympic Channel. Uh, so the official Olympics website will be broadcasting every fight. Uh, the afternoon matches or the afternoon session is going to start at 2 p.m. local time. So that's going to be noon Greenwich Mean for our friends across the pond and 7 a.m. with morning coffee here on the Eastern Seaboard. So we've got boxing to look forward to, Graham, but that's uh, what we're looking at around the rings today. Awesome. And just to recap, uh, some of these comments that are flying in here. 
absolutely brilliantly funny comment about uh, boxers wearing hazmat suits uh, in Japan. I thought that was pretty cute. cute. Uh, but uh, outdoor uh, uh, outdoor competition, yeah, that's one one aspect. We've been looking at it from the professional level, uh, given the competitions that have been happening in Central America, especially um, you know, with respect to uh, possibly streaming some of those non-broadcast events. But that uh, then brought up another issue. Uh, could these qualifiers have been held uh, outside, uh, notwithstanding Orlando's offer? Uh, but if you can recap uh, for the viewers out there uh, what the America's qualifiers now have been reduced okay, to. So yeah, so yeah, we did. A, we had a question there. I saw asking, you know, can we bring qualifiers in for uh, the Canadians for Olympics, the actual qualifying bouts? And the answer, unfortunately, is no, as those were supposed to have taken place, uh, I guess, about three weeks ago now, uh, in Buenos Aires, in Argentina, and that was originally set for Argentina a year ago. They had kept the same location and simply postponed it. But as we got closer and closer in, and uh, infection rates for COVID-19 kept rising in Argentina, eventually it got to the point where about four weeks out from that tournament, they said, there's just nothing we can do. We cannot bring these people in. And uh, it wasn't, again, it wasn't the Olympic side of things that shut that tournament down. It was the Argentinian government saying that they were not going to allow it to happen, which means they're not going to issue the visas. They're not going to open the borders. They're not going to let, you know, thousands of people descend on Buenos Aires in order for them to hold that tournament. Mm -hmm. So, and it was the decision was taken that with less than four weeks to go, there wasn't enough time to move an international tournament of that size. Mm -hmm. Now they've since been proven wrong about a week later when uh, the ASBC moved the uh, Asian championships from, uh, sorry, to Dubai from New Delhi with less than four weeks to go. So they were proven wrong on that one, but that was the decision that was taken, was that there was no time to relocate or reschedule the America's tournament. So all of the American qualifiers are gonna be decided by the boxing task force ranking system. Now that's that backdoor ranking system that we were talking about with the Irish fighters. So those who didn't get through on their qualifier are gonna be subject to what the, the ranking system would have been for another canceled one, which was the world qualifier. So over here, we just get, get twofold of that. We have the everyone who makes uh, the Americas qualifier based on their rankings. And then we're going to have like the top 13 people after who didn't make based on rankings will be allocated or however many it is for their world qualifier spots as well. So everyone on this side is either going to land in the Olympics either by their boxing task force rankings for the Americas or because they're the best in the world in the Americas after the people who qualify for the Americas. I hope that clears it up a little bit. Unless you got pregnant and uh, <laughs> sadly found well, yourself. Well, that's the problem. Well, that's the problem is is that they are using that is the time frame that they're using for these qualifying rankings. Unfortunately, um, kneecapped Mandy Bujold. And it's though so far, and we haven't had any updates on that, guys. As soon as we do hear more, we will let you know. And I think that you know they're going to have to make that decision within the next, I would think, week or two at the very latest, because uh, once they announce the who's going to be making it through on the boxing task force rankings from the canceled world qualifier, they're going to be finalizing that card. So we should have a final answer. Mandy Bujold's case, uh, for those of you who don't aren't aware of it, she was pregnant and postpartum during the only time frame that they're using for these ranking uh, for the rankings so although she's one of the top fighters in the world in her weight class she's not being offered a spot at the olympics because she was not seated during the right time 
and that in her case is currently before the court of arbitration for sport so we'll let you guys know as that as that one progresses thanks very much i appreciate that christian and uh thanks very much for all the feedback from the viewers out there and uh tomorrow being friday i guess we'll see you at 2 p.m eastern daylight time and then again on the panel i'll be here thank you very much adios